I'm just gonna look at the new adventures of He-Man really quick, just to refresh my memory. Because it's Gary Chalk as He-Man. What I remember about it is Gary Chalk as He-Man. No, shut up about Gary Chalk. I don't care about Gary Chalk. What what I, how I remember it is that it it was kind of like He-Man in like a Voltron cartoon, and okay. that's that's how I remember it. What it really is is probably much worse. See, Neil about, Neil hates Gary Chalk. I don't, oh no! <laughs> I don't hate him. I'm just you're the one who screamed I, "fuck you, Optimus." Optimus. Yeah, but you know somebody wrote that line for him. <laughs> I, I just don't like his Optimus Prime because he 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 kind of comes off as like a nagging parent. And his primal I, was his primal was a lot better because primal you could take as a completely different character. I suppose. <laughs> See, Neil sounds like a kid who just got peas on his plate. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> Neil's very particular about his Transformers. I, I am as well. Uh, I, I loved him in Beast Wars. I, he had such a he added such a human element to him. And one of the things I don't like about uh, Prime now, uh, Transformers Prime, is that Peter Cullen he just has the same inflection to like every line that he delivers, and it's just all platitudes. Like it's you know. <laughs> The strongest are fine when they are, and that's that. Like it just goes up and down, and it's. Just... <laughs> and it's not even real, what it was in the original show. In the original show, he was just doing. Uh, John, John Wayne. John Wayne, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, he was just like this rock solid guy, barrel chest, and said some cool things every now and then, and you know, played basketball with Spike and. <laughs> battled Megatron when he needed to. Well, see, one of my friends put it best. Not this Prime is the father you always wanted. Robus Prime is a drunken uncle you never needed. Oh. <laughs> and he shows up in a Winnebago. He's the funny uncle. Oh, no. <laughs> well, Winnebago or, or a garbage truck? I We still have not solved that mystery. I imagine we will solve the mystery of which Korean studio did Spider-Man before we solve that one. Just waiting for that day that the email comes in from Marvel that says, okay, it was ACOM. Because then I will post that as citation on on Wikipedia and change that damn article. You're on a mission. There is nothing more noble, Neil, than a pursuit of the truth. Is yeah, been, I'm, I'm watching... 89 He-Man? Yeah, I'm watching clips of the, uh, of the 89 He-Man. <laughs> yeah, it's not quite how I remember it. And I was kind of expecting that. In the way of the good and the magic. I love that, that line in the opening. It's just so such a stupid line. I show them the way in the good and the magic. I'm like, what? what? Did Deke work on this? Yes. Oh, no wonder. It's full of Deke, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> now, they were kind of like good and bad, right? Like, Inspector Gadget was kind of fun in the opening, right? I, I listened to that episode. Yeah, Inspector Gadget was good. Heathcliff... Could be good. Heathcliff. Yes, what? I've seen some. I've seen some episodes that were kind of wonky. And uh, JT from Saskatoon revealed himself as a furry in that episode. <laughs> you know what? Cleo, the character that we were talking about, Rev's <laughs> girlfriend. It, yeah, it, it deals. That's... It's, Cleo is totally uh, is totally furry, and and then JT butts says hottie, and then Neil says no furry bait. Oh yeah, she was like white, she had a little pink uh, bow on or something. No, she yeah, had. Yeah. She, no, it's a no, a Riff Raff girlfriend, not Heathcliff's girlfriend. Oh, okay, okay. The the yeah. one with leg warmers. 
Oh, that one. Yes, 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 yes. I'm worried about the way he just said yes, yes, yes. <laughs> because we know some furries. <laughs> okay, here, here's how I remember this show, this clip. So, somebody recut oh. the opening with like better music and without the stupid saying. And you notice with the way of the good and the magic. Yeah, that's not in here. But they they kept in all the cool sci-fi animation. And Neil loves sci-fi. Yeah. yeah, it's like if if someone didn't tell me this was He-Man, I'd be like, oh my god, I want to watch this. But no, it's about a guy who throws his sword in the air. And he wears he wears blue blue. Uh, Je- he wears blue jeans. Yeah. The, the thing is, he, he goes from wearing he goes from wearing basically a, uh, a like what a shepherd wears to wearing blue jeans and just blue jeans. I have found a new family. I remember Skeletor having kind of a dry sense of humor in this. Scott McNeil. Yeah. I mean, he was, he's completely different from the filmation version. Yes, he man. He man. How was that? Close. The Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007, starting with the Webcomic Beacon, a topical webcomics podcast with a jovial bunch of misfits like your local morning radio show. Also, the Webcomic Beacon Newscast, recaps, reviews, and discussions of community and industry news relative to comic creators, especially of digital distribution. Also, the Tropecast, the ever-tangential discussion of literary and visual memes. And finally, Web Fiction World. Before web comics, there was independent and self-published web-release written fiction and literature. Find this all at webcastbeacon.com. Be sure to grab a master RSS feed or master iTunes feed and not miss a thing. Hello and welcome again to Animation Aficionados. Uh, we are talking about He-Man tonight, and with me is my co-host, Team is Mr. Neil. I am Neil, co-host of this podcast and hater of this show. Now we have with us uh, listener Andy. And this is Cringer, my fearless friend. Look, Adam. 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 Okay, we could just fill a whole podcast with us doing bad cringe impersonations, but uh, let's not. Uh, tonight we are, of course, going over He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, where animation recycling is not only a way of life, it's the law. It's, it's not even the animation that's recycled, it's the run tracks, it's, uh, you know, it's, you know, rotoscoping is not necessarily evil in animation, but just like a gun, you don't give a gun to everybody. <laughs> because someone would wildly shoot themselves in the foot, which is a pretty apt uh, analogy to what uh, Lou Scheimer did here. And the, the music. There was about five tracks we just kind of went over and over again. Yeah, it's... Yeah. And a lot of them just went... Dee, 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 a different... The uh, theme. Yeah, it was just a theme, like, played at different uh, uh, tempos. (laughs) Yeah, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Uh, Let's talk about uh, Prince Adam. Yeah. All right. uh, Uh, Neil, Prince Adam. Yeah. Uh, Basically, he was the effeminate version of He-Man. Spoke in a a really light voice, and golly gee, Cringer, 
let's go pick some strawberries. And he wore pink clothing with a with a furry uh, I don't know what you would call that. He he wore like the He-Man trunks, but he wore them over his pants, which were also pink. He he also he had like he had like a pink uh, open shirt vest thingy over a white shirt with long sleeves and and a ridiculous bowl cut. Yeah, he had the same hair as He-Man, the same face as He-Man, same build, the same sort as He-Man, and yet Tila was too stupid to ever figure out that they were the same person. And he was a a filmation creation, not Mattel. Uh, that was that's a that's a dirty rumor. Really, the, the the dirty rumor is uh, that 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 molds were made for Conan the Barbarian by Mattel, right? And uh, and then the, a deal fell through, and they're like, "Gee, we we got all this stuff ready to go, and we can just only do minor modifications if that. We need to make it. We need something to go with this toy line, and that's the rumor." And that's a dirty lie. That's there's there's nothing backing it up. Yes, yes, true. Um, I am a, I'm a big toy collector. I, I can give you a little bit uh, really quickly. Um, I know Mattel lost out on the Star Wars license, and they were looking to get into boys' toys. Um, they had their Barbie, and I think they saw their Hot Wheels at that point. And, and now this is a big bone of contention. Who actually created the He-Man uh, character? There's a documentary coming out. You can go to toymastersmovie.com, and it's these two guys from Mattel that are basically arguing over who actually created it. But uh, basically, they had this old Big Jim line, which was about the scale of the um, $6 million so, man. So two people are actually fighting for who who created He-Man, or two people are fighting like, no, I didn't create him. You created him. No, oh. I didn't create him. <laughs> They're they're create they're arguing for credit and now and a documentary is being made upon that, but um, so it'd be funnier if it was the other way. So Mattel had this uh, big gym line and basically they slapped on you know a couple of modifications onto the lead character and that was the initial pitch. Um, and if you look up Big Jim and Masters of the Universe, you will see there is a lot of similarities. To the... I'm not going to type Big Jim into Google. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, the... Uh, I don't know what you searched for, Andy, but... <laughs> the predecessors of uh, Skeletor, Captain Drake, uh, the predecessor of Trapjaw, Ironjaw, uh, Vector and Zorak were basically many faces. There was... Uh, and then basically there was the Big Jim Tiger. That, that exact mold is, uh, is Battle Cat and Panthor. Mm. And uh, let's and uh, you know it it is important to remember that yes Conan was making it big at the same time so I think that Conan might have helped inspire certain thematic ideas but other than that you know the the Conan thing is a dead and buried rumor so now I I read that Prince Adam was originally supposed to be a teenager and because to save on animation costs they just made him. The He-Man model. Yeah, originally the original idea was it was going to be the whole the whole Captain Marvel thing. Mm-hmm. Because even down to being struck by lightning when he calls upon, yeah, Shazam. <laughs> yeah, from a sorceress, no less. Hmm, that's very mm. interesting. Now, mm, yeah, it's a, it is. Yeah. For, for you animation experts, how is that light done? Like the lightning? Do you guys know that? Uh, they have an actual backlight shooting through the cell 
and they have they have like black covering everything except for certain parts they want to have light shine through. It's okay. uh, it's a uh, at least that's how I understand it. Neil? Yeah, I I think that that is what they did. They were basically trying to think if when uh, Secret of Nim came out cuz I think that was the first cartoon that ever did that. And I think everyone else just copied off of that. Well, before then, before then to do lighting effects, you actually had to like perfectly color certain effects to make it look like it's glowing. That's before they someone figured out if you use certain levels of transparency in inks, mm-hmm. like have inks like thinner than other inks, you could actually do a glow effect with just a light. Before then, like Disney with uh, Sleeping Beauty, those those were all hand done. Yeah. And I mean, how much did that cost again, Neil? I don't remember, but it was enough that they that the very next movie they had to cut the budget. Fire a thousand people, no less. But yeah, it's a with with He Man. It's He Man is really the first action cartoon that is a kidified action cartoon, if you know what I mean. Where where there there is no mistake about it. This is kidified to the nth. Now, even though it is kidified, probably wouldn't even have flown in the seventies, right? This was kind of somewhat revolutionary that they could kind of do tussling and swords and lasers and things like that? Not really, because with the swords, all He-Man does with that thing right. is brandish, brandish <laughs> it. He's like, I'm going to brandish this sword, and then I'm going to give you... And then I'm going to talk sternly to you. Yeah, I think he... The most offense he ever did with that thing is he would deflect like magic beams that were shot at him and make it... make Re-aim them and make them knock down whatever contraption Skeletor had created for that episode. Uh, to, to put it in perspective, the live-action He-Man movie has more violence than all of the seasons combined. <laughs> I just watched the trailer for that. Oh, boy. And let's never speak of that movie again. Right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Except that movie is hilarious. It is hilarious. <laughs> it's Riff Tracks uh, ready. It is... What I think it is, is I think the producer actually made it as an intentional comedy. I don't think there was anything serious about any part of that production. So it's like the Street Fighter movie. <laughs> oh, God. Yes, it is, Neil. It is. But for me, it was a Tuesday. Now, did you guys want to speak a little bit on Filmation before this to kind of give everyone oh, a... Neil, take it away. Lusheimer, Filmation, Flemation. Um, wow, you know what? I really wasn't prepared for that. Uh, <laughs> I Neil, know that... you're always prepared. You're always prepared I to know that I... Lusheimer. I know that they did a lot of DC... Uh cartoons in like the 60s and 70s fat albert yeah and fat albert fat albert was on the was on the air for like a long time just in and out of production like there were a couple years to go by where there'd be no episodes and then all of a sudden out of the blue they'd make a new season and i think it was i think fat albert remained in and out of production up until the end of filmation well i'm gonna sing a song for you oh god and they were the uh the faux busters the ghostbusters Oh God, yes! And that has a funny story behind it. You know about the live-action show, right? I I do, yes. Yeah. <laughs> for for our listeners, uh, what happened was uh, when uh, Harold Ramis and uh, Dan Aykroyd were working on this little movie here, because Dan Aykroyd loves the occult. I don't know if you know this, but Dan Aykroyd loves the occult, and he was coming up with an idea of of four scientists capturing ghosts. And the original pi- pi- title of that movie was Ghost Masters. And uh, and 
See, they wouldn't know because th those guys have class and they don't watch shitty television. They would have never known about this kid's live-action show that Lou Scheimer made called The Ghostbusters about a guy in an, in an ape suit and two bumbling idiots that run around capturing ghosts with a net. <laughs> and then uh, what happens is uh, Harold Ramis and, uh, and, uh, and uh, Dan Aykroyd came up with the name Ghostbusters for their movie. Columbia Pictures picked it up, and then, you know, as soon as that movie was a hit, uh, Columbia Pictures' legal department got a call from a very irate Lou Scheimer. Was he irate? <laughs> I, he was irate. He I, was through the roof. He can get irate. Uh, he's on record of saying the um, the comics based on He-Man is the worst S that he's ever seen. <laughs> and, and Columbia decided to throw Lou Scheimer a bone by saying, okay, we can't make a cartoon called Ghostbusters. You have that right. And Lou Scheimer's like, well, I own Filmation. I can make my own Ghostbusters cartoon and cash in on this movie. And he did. And then uh, Columbia was like, okay, we need to make a cartoon. We can't call it just Ghostbusters, so we'll call it the real Ghostbusters. <laughs> Which was just an extra twist of the knife. It was. But yeah. it <laughs> was really, a... they're like, uh, Hanna-Barbera's evil twin, right? That just get it done cheap, easy as possible. Yeah, Filmation is kind of like the the weird knockoff of, of uh, Hanna-Barbera, or at least it started out as such. Um, I don't know if Lou had worked at Hanna-Barbera, but he seems to have adopted a lot of their early techniques, and he he never really innovated. He kept the same techniques pretty much up until the end. The cartoons that he made in the late 80s looked pretty much the same as the ones in the 60s and the 70s. Um, he did not work in Filmation. At least there, no one is giving him any sort of credit to Filmation. Hanna -Barbera. I mean, I, Hanna-Barbera, pardon me. It's That was a bad that was a bad one on my, me, my part. It's a, yeah, he, has, he does have credits on the uh, Star Trek, uh, the animated series. That's right. Yes, they were. Yep, yep. Which are about the same animation quality, even though they're 20 years apart. Which is kind of funny, if you ask me. It's like, I mean, if there's one thing, he's consistent. And I don't know if that's a compliment or not. Well, he's so consistent, he would use the same footage for from, like, show to show. So, in... in every that, time every time he leaves the studio, he, like, brings a whole bunch of film reels with him. Yeah, there, uh, we were watching some special on YouTube that was uh, chronicling the past of uh, Filmation. And they actually showed a montage of all these different cartoons that used the exact same footage uh, for rotoscoping, and it was it was hysterical. It was like you see Aquaman do do a move, and then you see one of the Titans do do the same move, and then you see Brave Star do a move, and Heat Man do a move, and uh, Kong from uh, Filmation's Ghostbusters do a move. Oh, God. Now I saw another YouTube clip. Maybe you guys can confirm or deny, but that. Um... Mattel, they've hired models that they kind of made up as, you know, He-Man, Skeletor, and Teela, and they'd go around to, like, malls and such promoting promoting it. But they would use them kind of doing those flips and turns. The animators would kind of model everything after them. Yeah. Actually, Neil, that's why Neil enjoys one episode of She-Ra more than everything else where, <laughs> where, where, uh, where Aurora can't transform into She-Ra, so she has to like run around and do flips and stuff, and she's just wearing those uh, shorts. Adora, not, this isn't this isn't uh, Storm. Adora, pardon me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think it was like Aurora Borealis. 
Yeah. Ad- Not Aurora. Aurora. Adora. What? Okay. Yeah, Adora's costume is my favorite of the entire uh, of the entire line, and it's a shame that they never made a uh, a figure of her until recently. Yes, I was gonna say I had the uh, recent <laughs> version of it. Yeah, I was always really disappointed when she transformed into She-Ra. I'm like, you know, the skirt's nice, but I kind of like the other costume. And there was the one episode where she broke the sword, and I was like, yes! Because <laughs> she had to spend the entire episode as Adora, and she's running and jumping and rolling around on the ground. I'm like, the animators must have had a ball with this. <laughs> okay, we're going to go out to the parking lot, and you're going to put this leotard on, and we're going to film you. So... You know, one other one final note on filmation before we talk about more of He Man proper. Robin and the Dreamweavers. I, 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 I don't know what this is. Okay, um, this, this is technically not filmation. This is Lou Scheimer. Okay. Where a Dutch investment company came to Lou Scheimer saying, We want you to make a, a young adult animated feature with sex and violence. And, and wooden shoes. The film was actually produced, but was never distributed. And uh, did it have a German short, clown in it? It had it. it, it let me read the, the synopsis. Robin, the first human ever born in cyberspace, battled the evil siren Triple X, who desired an earthly body and gained power through mankind's baser carnal desires. So, based on this, this is about the internet, and based on this, uh, Triple X won. <laughs> I am shocked Lou did this. He seemed like such a prude. Well, actually, shortly after the production was completed, he went under quadruple bypass and was diagnosed with Parkinson. Oh, no. Is, uh, and then Erica Scheimer took control of the company and shut shut the production down. Wow. What a story. Shut it down. Huh. Wow. To, to the ground. Well, I uh, did just dig up that um, they uh, sold – Filmation sold He-Man at uh, Nappy in 82 – they put together three rough minutes of uh, animation to sell it. And even before it was on the air, uh, they were getting protests. Well, I think those were arranged because who, who would have? I guess it was there was like demons and sword and sorcery. Like people were just like, oh, children are going to be watching this. Oh, wow. You could actually buy a copy of this thing. Yeah. Did you just find... <laughs> I just saw that link. Yeah. Robin the Dreamweaver. I just found a copy on it. Neil? I was going to. You have to do research. <laughs> okay. But uh, wasn't wasn't there also a protest just because it was the very first cartoon that was based on a toy? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I remember that being the big the big uh, thing about this show. I think there was regulations after it, right? Yeah. Well, what I remember is which is, which is really funny because this is the most sanitized, self-sanitized cartoon ever. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But what I remember is that Romper Room used to get into trouble. Was it Romper Room? It was a, it was a show owned by uh, by Hasbro, I think, and uh, it was it was blatantly made so that they could they could have their own show during which they could run commercials of their own products, and this got a lot of like parents in a in a big fuss. In a tiff. Yeah, yeah, because how how dare you you know market things on TV? Oh wow, it's I'm I'm sorry for bringing this up again, but the uh, the. The shimerness in this is hilarious because it's newer 90s animation techniques, but the shimerness is strong in this one. Ooh. Oh, that's so weird. Do you, do you see them putting some extra shine on some areas that shouldn't have shine? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So this was after filmation had already shut down. Yes. Yeah. But this is entirely Lou Scheimer. Wow. Yeah. Neil, you have to buy this. We have to watch this. <laughs> oh my this god. Is... Uh, animation <laughs> Animation Aficionados episode one hundred. <laughs> Neil, you know I'm right. Uh, more than American Rabbit, more than <laughs> anything else, we have to watch this. Oh my god. Yeah, so actually wasn't the very last filmation production, wasn't it? Uh I think it was a it was like happily was it called Happily Ever After? God damn it. I'm gonna yeah. have to look it up. Yeah, it was some I theatrical see. movie. They were it was like their last ditch effort to change and adapt. It was. But yeah, but they really couldn't and it was Released still in very, theaters in ninety three. Yeah, it was still very clearly a filmation production and uh, afterwards they were just out of business. Well actually the one after that was the Archangels. Mm. About about Noah's Ark. Oh, okay. See, I never even heard of that. Wow. Hallm- it was a five-episode ep- five miniseries. Wow. Of course it was. Hallmark got the rights to Filmation. And wow. I- How cheap was it selling if a card company bought it? I do know that um, with the new uh, toy line that the Adora figure is in, that they didn't have the Filmation rights initially. And now that they are about three, four years in, they, they got them. And because they're trying to do this big push that I think it's the uh, 20, 20 something anniversary of the, uh, of the property. Oh, wow. Classics media. Wow, just, yeah. It's uh, another fun. Uh, filmation property is Lassie's rescue Rangers. Like the Disney rescue Rangers. No, Lassie's Rescue oh. Rangers. <laughs> so this isn't this isn't a Chip and Dale crossover. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was made in the uh, 1973. Oh my God! But speaking of crossovers, there's one very infamous crossover that I came across a few years ago. It's uh, it was Daffy and Porky meet the the Groovy Ghoulies. Oh no. And the Groovy Ghoulies were it was kind of like a lame take on movie monsters, where they. I've never actually seen an episode. It appears to be a cartoon where a bunch of movie-esque monsters uh, live in a live in a house together and have wacky adventures. You know how most filmation cartoons are. So it was basically the Archies with like the Wolfman and Dracula and those guys. And yes, they played in a wow. band. I knew it. <laughs> and they they met Daffy Duck, and apparently a lot of people really really detested the fact that warner brothers gave them the rights to daffy to make this cartoon because even even at its worst the the uh the later warner brothers shorts how how bad they got in like the late 60s they were never as bad as when filmation got them i'm sure i'm trying to think of some other weird things Mm. filmation got Oh well, God, they're Tom well, and Jerry's. Lou Scheimer's daughter Erica is, uh, you know, announced uh, very strongly that she was a lesbian. So, mm. yeah, it was her voice. It was kind of like a family affair, right? Like, did she do like voice direction? Like his? Yes, yeah, she did. She 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 actually did some voices herself. She says, "I was a strong female voice myself." And guess what? I happen to be gay. That's what she said, Neil. Fine by me. I don't care. You know. You know, I I don't know what to say when 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 someone says that themselves. It's like you know, some people might say, be saying, "Oh, I'm paying a bad picture if I say she has a strong voice and she's a lesbian." But when she says it herself, I I don't know what to say. 
it's kind of like a non sequitur in a conversation. It's like, okay, that's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> I don't know where to go. <laughs> but but back to He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Let's talk about the, the people on He-Man's team. Only three people know his secret. His friend, the Sorceress, Man-at-Arms, and Orko. Now, how did Orko get entrusted with this secret? <laughs> What I love was the was the was the uh, 2000 series had basically Orko stumble upon it, so that's why Orko knows. Uh, versus them coming up with some bullshit. So he was just stumbling around in a drug haze and accidentally caught Prince Adam changing into He-Man. Whoa! God damn it, Orko! You can't tell anyone. That's exactly how it happened. Wasn't that uh, uh, Clark uh, Superboy, his uh, his best friend? Oh, jeez. Blanking on the name. You say Lex Luthor, or I'm gonna. Oh no no no! You. The blonde, blonde-haired kid, Pete. Um, Pete. Yes. At least you didn't say he was black. Yeah yeah yeah. Well, a little, <laughs> a little trivia. Uh, if you can't tell, I hate Smallville. <laughs> oh oh God yes God yes. Well gee, well, gee Lex, I'm sure glad we aren't enemies. You said it, Clark. Now let's have some some vague homoerotic scenes that could get the girls watching. We'll just stare and smile at each other. You know, you know, Rosabaugh must have had a field day, just like laugh as he left the set. <laughs> just like, yeah. what is this? Uh, but uh, Orko in the uh, series Bible sent to the um, sent to the syndicated uh, TV shows, he was called Gorpo. And he was changed to save on animation costs because animators were able to flip the animation cells, thus using them twice. Yeah, it's one thing that Filmation was really good about was having people with very with very, uh, you know, uh, bilaterally symmetrical designs that way they can be facing one way or another way. That way they can easily mirror the animation and not have someone say, hey, wait a minute. Did his hair, did his hair part sort of all of a sudden flip? Wait a minute. They flipped. What what are they doing here? Are you listening, John Semper? <laughs> you know, he's just, just going to blame Bob Richardson again. Oh, of course. In that uh, early media guide, the sorceress looked uh, much more Egyptian, which I think was the cue that the um, 03 series took in designing her. Abs- abs- absolutely. And one thing I did like about the 03 series that did was they all right, said, okay, yes, she's uh, Tila's mom. Man Arms is Tila's dad. That's it. No mystery, no vagueness, no, none of this bullshit. Yeah, it was so silly, the vagueness back then. Yeah, wasn't the original toy, in fact, like one became the other or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because the original Tila, weirdly enough, didn't she have like a snake headdress or something? Yes, yes an Egyptian snake headdress, yes. Yeah. And it appears in like the mini comics. Um in the mini comics, these are the little comics packed in with the toys. The uh sorceress was uh in the first one referred to as the goddess and she basically looked like Tila with green skin. It was just very early on. They just had no idea. They were just grabbing toys and, you know, Drawing what they could. Or drawing what they couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it, and, uh, you know, like I said, a lot of the vagueness, it, it, it's not even good, uh, you know, mystery vagueness. It, it's more like bad storytelling vagueness. Right, like, like who addressed this? Wasn't someone, <laughs> wasn't someone supposed to be following up on this? But they did, well, they did do an episode where they revealed for certain that the, that the sorceress was Tila's mother. And then immediately after that, they wiped her mind. And <laughs> I can only imagine it was because because for syndication reasons, so they could play them in any order they want, 
you know, they, they couldn't have story progression. Yeah. But strangely enough, the, the show did have continuity because there was a, there was a flashback episode. Um, I don't remember exactly what it was about, but in the flashback episode, it actually shows the horde soldiers in yes. Eternia and it showed, this. and it showed both swords in the He-Man series. Before She-Ra ever came around. Well, to, to me, it's uh, other funny things is uh, just the the other people on He-Man's team. Like, we talked about Man-at-Arms. We talked about Tila. Who are some other people on the team? Um, well, sort of quick, just the, the vagueness. Who are the Masters of the Universe? In early, early sections, Skeletor's crew was the Masters. Yeah, protecting the Castle Grayskull from Skeletor and the Masters of the Universe. While in the, in the new series... He-Man's team is the Masters of the Universe. Right. Which I think works better. Yeah. I agree. Because when you say He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, it sounds like it's he's leading the master, he's leading the team. It's like Batman and the Brave and the Bold. It's, it's Well, you get what I mean. Yeah. So you're talking about and, the other uh, side of, you know, the good guys. We've got the, uh, we got Mon Pa, uh, yeah. King and Queen, Randor, and the Queen has a interesting background. What I love is in in the the original He-Man series, the King and Queen are like fuddy duddy, you know. Oh, Adam, he he he, you know. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't. Oblivious. Them, I don't remember ever seeing them not off that throne. Yeah, and uh, the in in the in the O3 series, they made they made the the king a badass warrior king. I have the uh, Staction figure of him just because it's so so badass. Yeah. I mean, he, he's the one that fucking melted Skeletor's face off. Ah, it's such a great opening. Such a great opening. So so that's the difference. You have a badass king and then a fuddy-duddy, oh, I don't ever get off my throne because I'm afraid of incontinence, king. Uh, I think I have the episode, The Origin of the Sorceress, during a flashback, several soldiers, horde logos. That might be the, the one you were talking about? Yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, there's really not much to talk about this in the show itself until we get to She-Ra because most of it is, most of it is just you know, you know, I have you now, He-Man. Yeah, it's like uh, whatever plot device Skeletor has, and it's just like 65 episodes of that. He-Man, whereas, I have my, in my possession a giggle ray. Whereas <laughs> the actual progression of story doesn't start happening until uh, Secret of the Sword. But yeah. He-Man's mother, yeah, she was she was an Human. astronaut, wasn't she? Yeah. Yep. She was from Earth, and she landed on on Eternia. Yep. And then she married the king. Yeah. It's good to be the king. Uh, never a figure made, but in the new uh, series, they made a figure where she can do a quick change from her uh, space outfit to her regal uh, green green suit. I guess yes. I guess it's true what they say: Earth girls are easy. <laughs> Gina Davis, Jeff Bloom, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, pardon me. Yeah, Jim Carrey is in that movie. That's right, he is. <laughs> I think I blew Neil's mind. No, well, I do remember we... that. Uh, oh God! Wanna... The, 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 the sad thing is, is that's the name of the actual real film in the name of the of the many various. Cash in name pornos use just change that last word to many different things. <laughs> well, the actual legitimate movie has a porno name itself. 
Yeah, why, why improve upon greatness? It's time for intermission, boys and girls. Movie Week in Review is the GeekCast Radio Network's weekly movie podcast. Steve and Mike take a look back on their favorite films and give you their thoughts. They also bring in co-hosts at times. If you are a movie buff, listen to M-Wire only on GeekCastRadio.com. Hey, I'm Gary. I'm Greg. I'm Chuck. And I'm Justin. Join the four of us every week on the Internet's number one G.I. Joe podcast, What's On Joe Mind. That's right. It's Joe News, reviews, and special guests like you've never heard them before delivered right to your MP3 player. Think of it as Joe Talk meets Sports Talk. And we make fun of Chuck. Right. Hey. We're just kidding, Chuck. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes Chuck makes fun of himself. Right, hey! It's What's On Joe Mind. Every week on the Geekcast Radio Network, InsidePulse.com, Stitcher Smart Radio, and iTunes. Download and listen today. Can I say something about Transformers? No! So do you guys want to talk about the um, the uh, people behind this, like uh, writers or uh, voiceover talent? Because um, we do have uh, a young Paul Dini. Yeah, one of the funniest things ever is when Paul Dini was interviewed about Lou Scheimer and uh, Inflammation, and he was very, very, very neutral about everything. <laughs> it was a job. <laughs> he was the only one they could get. Because yeah, John Kay wasn't going to show up. That would have been funny. But jo- John Kay? But John, John, Kay would, John Kay was actually following the, for the only time in his life. If he had nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> I didn't realize he was on this. Wow. People had to start somewhere. Yeah. Uh, Straczynski... J. Michael yeah. wrote some episodes. Yeah, but like I said, I just think it's funny. John Kay, who's always outspoken. Maybe the people who were making the special didn't want to bring him in because they were they didn't know. Oh my God, he's not going to stop. <laughs> and uh, you know, did he ever say anything about filmation? What? Did John Kay ever say anything about filmation in any interviews, or was he pretty silent? I just know what he said on the DVDs, which was it was the worst cartoon studio of all time. That's actually really mild coming from John Kay. It actually is. Extremely mild. I mean, wow, he must have been on his Prozac that day. But yeah, it's a there is some people with talent working on this show. I mean, I wouldn't say they were without talent. It's uh I mean, like you said, the writers had to start somewhere. So, let's see. I'm trying to look at the uh names of the characters. It's a was it a completely different voice who did the... Uh, no, it's, it's actually Alan Oppenheimer did Cringer and Battle Cat. Mm-hmm. Which is actually pretty good voice acting, though. But Adam, and let's go! Oppenheimer did a lot, right? He was like Merman. Oppenheimer is one of the three uh, animal voices. Okay. The other two is uh, Frank Welker and someone else. Of course, it's Frank Welker, right? Yeah, Oppenheimer... So, yeah, he's really he's really easy to catch in these cartoons because he just has that distinct range in it to his voice. And uh, Lou did a lot of voices, right? Yeah, he did Orko, didn't he? Yeah, he Lou did Orko. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, he did. Whenever you heard like a really really goofy voice, it was usually Lou. Yeah, because that's one thing he's good at is goofy voices. <laughs> Animation, on the other hand, I was waiting for someone to go ooh, but I guess not. But yeah, let's see here. Looking at the credits list right now. It also seems like Lou Scheimer's voice was sped up a lot in those whenever he did voices. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. Yeah, John Irwin did He Man. Erica Scheimer did. Uh, Erica Scheimer did lots of uh, Warrior Woman voices. She told the joke. I didn't tell the joke. She told the joke. So I'm not <laughs> touch that at all. So I'll get some angry emails. 
let's see here. Haim Saban worked on the music. Of course he did. Be about to start somewhere. Wow, but yeah, He-Man is not the last, but one of the last American children's cartoons entirely produced in America. And as Paul Dini said in that interview, that was a you really couldn't do that anymore. No. It's it's yeah. With each progressing episode, how they just the characters just either didn't move or just used the same cells over and over. Oh, well, wow, damn. The list on the series animators credits, there's lots of really famous names here, Neil. I did see they, they said they had to bring in a lot of uh, freelancers just because of the, yeah. the season order. That was the other thing. A 65 episode season order was unheard of, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's just just look at this. It's and even I though, only, even though I only it, came across uh, five Asian names so far. Most of these are Americans. This this is amazing. Bill Carney, Harry Sabin. Uh, let's see here. So yeah. Bruce Tim was a layout artist on this for the cartoon as well. Okay. Yeah, Bruce Tim. Yeah, it's yep. uh, yeah. Look at the names. You'll see lots of who's who's in animation here, Neil. Mm. And even though you know we're you know looking at it with non rosy colored uh, glasses, it, it was incredibly popular. Um, oh, oh, no question. I think the hard part to do with the toy line, though. Yeah, and it kind of burned out as quickly as it uh, meter or uh, rose um, to the point where a lot of the toys that Mattel was pushing ended up getting pushed over into Shira. Yeah. Oh, Neil, you'll love this. What? One of the animators was Glenn Kennedy. Of course it was. <laughs> can, can you guys tell us tell tell me and the uh, listeners, Glenn Kennedy, what what is he responsible for? A pup named Scooby Doo, the first <laughs> season of, of Tiny Toons, uh, okay. some of the Disney cartoons. Okay. He put the boingy boingy, uh, the Jetsons movie. Ooh, oh, okay. Yeah, he's <laughs> whenever you see like the the kick dance or the characters just bouncing for no reason, it's usually Glenn Kennedy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and they probably had to tell him to stop that. <laughs> well, well, you know what? I think the biggest problem was, you know, he probably cut his teeth here, where he where he was pretty much forced to color in the lines, because that's what the rose guy scoping literally is. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he had no more lines to work off of, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, you know, well, what happens when you teach a kid to color in the lines and give him no more lines to color into? Glenn Kennedy, that's why. Yeah. But let's get to uh, Secret of the Sword. And now for your listening pleasure, Neil will sing the theme song to Secret I'm of the Sword. not. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. I just watched about an hour of it before we uh, started recording. The funny thing about it, that is that it's a five-part episode, and it's clear that each of the five parts have different plots, and yet somehow they stitched it together and released it theatrically, which was so in, stupid. <laughs> It, it, the part, the, what I hate is, is this. It's like the first part is, you know, uh, Adora is regaining her memory and then she becomes She-Ra. The second part is, uh, is, uh, is the He-Man helps with the, uh, with the rebellion. And the third part is they go back to Eternia and the, and, and instantly the king and queen recognize their infant child now grown up. And, no, she doesn't, and then, she doesn't even become She-Ra until the third, until the third act. That's right. Because there's there's two whole episodes where she's evil. A slow burn. But she didn't know she was evil. You know, she, she's subjugating and, and whipping and beating up people, but she doesn't know that she's evil. And uh, and uh, 
And what I love is just how vague the sorceress is. It's like he was actually asking questions that the listeners, the viewers would like, hey, wait, you're telling me to go to this door and uh, you're giving me this other sword. What, what's going on? And she's like, hey, man, please don't ask any questions. Wait, I'm going to walk through this door. Where am I going to end up? There's no time for that. <laughs> and at one point, and don't don't power up and be He-Man before you go through the door. Yeah, he should have just been He-Man the whole time because he goes through and trouble starts. He turns into He-Man and he turns Cringer into Battle Cat and he gets captured. But no one asks asks where uh, where Prince Adam went. No oh. one asks where Cringer went. They were just like, oh, Battle Cat's here. Where the hell did he come from? What I love is the Archer character from the Great Rebellion oh. has like a big big heart on his chest. Yeah. Oh yeah. And there's a scene where He-Man's riding on it with a horse and the He-Man's arms are wrapped around his waist. <laughs> That's right. And, and mustaches. Yeah. But they were... Oh, oh God. But anyway, they, yeah, they were like... Watch it with the 2012 mentality and there's so much gay subtext in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, but like, He-Man, like, they only met He-Man for like two minutes before he gets captured. And suddenly they were like, this character that we never met before, we gotta save him. Where did Prince Adam go? Oh, wait, no one asked that. Where'd Cringer go? Where, who's this battle cat? Exactly. <laughs> Apparently they've been watching He-Man with us. And then the... Uh, and then Adora's ho- horse turns into uh, uh, My Little Pony that can talk Swift all of a sudden. Swift wind. Yeah. I did... With, I, a, with a deep voice. I always pictured the horse would have had, like, a much lighter voice, but no, the horse has, like, a really deep voice. And I do believe that's Lou Scheimer doing the voice of the horse. Yeah. God damn it. I did really <laughs> like the design of the Horde Troopers as a kid, and we're still waiting for an action figure of those. Well, I liked it so much. I liked it so much I was really happy when Space Downs reused it. <laughs> oh, really? They never made a figure of that? No, no. Oh, wow. You have seen uh, Space Downs, the greatest... Uh, yeah. I have not. <laughs> 80s cartoon that never was. Hey, talk talking about talking about He Man. I I can't not bring up Space Stallions, Neil. I know, but I hear you typing, and you know, you, you don't don't be dropping YouTube links during the show because it's hard to edit. I'm not gonna drop it okay. in right now. I'm just having it ready. Okay. But yeah, yes, yeah, Space Stallions. It's uh, the greatest He Man esque show ever that was never made. But. Wow. Uh, but you know, back to the uh, back to Secret of the Sword. No, the the breaks are very obvious, and and I I just love the scenes of them, you know, kidnapping the baby Adora, you know, uh, Hordak and uh, and Skeletor, and they're like buddies, yeah. and, and they're dressed in the same uniform. Even it, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. There, there's something so like innately ridiculous in the concept that I can't explain. Yeah, that you have to see, and then you'll you'll understand what I mean without words being expressed. I, I kind of understand. Yeah, Hordak takes the baby and and retreats to Eternity, Etheria. I'm sorry, and he leaves he leaves uh, Skeletor there to face the to face the captain of the guard, which was which was really funny because he's just because he's just laying there on the ground looking up at like all the all the guardsmen surrounding him. He's like, ah, uh, oh shit. Did you did you guys see a little bit of? I'm I'm a big Kirby guy. Did you see a little bit of Fourth World with the whole Hordak? You know, like the changing of babies and it kind of ruling the planet and fear type of thing. No, I no, really yeah. wouldn't give loose timer that much credit. Yeah. I, maybe I thought maybe like a designer or an animator might've, you know, a little bit of 
Well, I, I know Bruce Tim was a Kirby fanboy, but I imagine they didn't have much power other than to just uh, draw on the cells. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. So let's see here. Secret of the Sword, uh, which brought in the Shiro series. And uh, one thing I love is the animation recycling back then. You know, they had master tapes. Everything was taped. There was no digital then. Right. So right. when they reused the animation of He-Man transforming, they were running that tape one more time. They were, like, uh, cutting its lifespan off each time they ran it. So animation recycling is, you know, you know, as Neil put it when the when you watch it and you see He-Man transforming and you see a door transforming, you know, He-Man transforming looks all grainy. And, oh, yeah, there's all the scratches on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then when a door transforms, it's all pristine and brand making <laughs> new. Now, who was uh, I? I saw her. She was at a con recently. She's she's still kicking. Uh, the voice actress for um, for Shira and Adora. Is she anyone? Um, yeah. Okay, I'm checking the IMDb because hmm. I like IMDb. Yeah. These Melendi are the Britt. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. Yeah. Melendi Britt. Yes. Melendi Britt. Melendi Britt. That's a nice name. From Charlotte, North Carolina. Born Harriet Melendi Britt. She was uh, Batgirl back in 77. Adventures of Batman, yeah. But I'll be honest, a lot of the voice direction really wasn't there yet in this show. A lot of the voice direction is very... You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's very 80s kids cartoon. Yes. Uh, You know, I dare dare say that Sunbow production had better voice direction back then. Sunbow had awesome voice direction. (laughs) They yeah. just didn't have good animation direction. Well, they had they had good animators until they until uh, Nelson Chin stepped in. But well, he was there from the beginning. He just said, "Hey, I'm going to open a new animation studio and fuck all of you." <laughs> He's the, the Transformers the movie director, right? Yeah. Well, he he was also a director on the show. Yeah. Right. But what, what Nelson Shin did was he opened up ACOM in Korea. Yeah, so. And Korean animators really didn't do stuff for America yet. They yep. were just in their infancy. And, and Toei had a lot of autonomy that ACOM in no way in hell could have. ACOM did some early Simpson stuff? They ACOM is still doing Simpson stuff. They're oh, wow. doing just digital ink right now. They're not doing the actual animation anymore. But they're doing digital ink for Simpsons right now. But okay. the only reason ACOM is still alive because of Simpsons. Wow. But yeah, it's a, uh, you know, I gotta be honest. He, you know, Shira. I never really watched Shira because that was a girls' show. Oh my god, I had Shira and I got I got ragged on by, by my friends to the point where I hid her in my closet because I was. They were like, you know, oh, like, so Andy, Andy, if you have a girls' toy, and I'm like, nah, oh no, I don't. Andy, it was so Andy, it was in the closet. It was oh, my secret shame. But really, that show was. He-Man seasons three and four. Yeah, it really was because of the amount of times they cross over. Yeah, plus um, you had you had the Horde, which actually was part of the Masters of the Universe line. Yep, that's what I was saying. They it was toys they couldn't get to. They kind of just pushed them right into uh, the '86 uh, Shira. Yeah, because yeah. the the actual Shira toy line, I think Shadow Weaver was in it, and who was the cat girl? Uh, Shadow Weaver never got a figure. Uh, oh, really? They, yep. They, but her figure would have been like just a cloak with big breasts. It's I actually what, I have the new one. Um, they finally made it in the new series. It's weird what didn't get made. Wow. It was is weird. It, is it a cloak with big big breasts? Uh, essentially. She's got her spell book and her wand and uh, 
She's in the classic filmation sculpt. So so Adora so the so the people who know Adora's secret is is basically an Aurora Borealis. <laughs> a, uh, Aurora Borealis a, in your kitchen. <laughs> and and uh, and a female orco and and a scrappy. Yeah, Madam Raz and Cowl. Ugh. Yeah. I know the names. And that's the thing when I saw him like it's a female orco. Did did Lukey also know the secret? You know the character who hid in every single episode? No, no. It it, it was only the it was only the Northern Lights, the female orco and the scrappy. Uh. I, I just love the fact that it, it it's the it's oh. the freaking Aurora Borealis, the Northern Lights knows the secret. Did you see the figure nail? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's going to be painful. Well, that's a massive rack. <laughs> and uh, interesting like little thing on her. They gave her background once, but they never really showed her face for the Shadow Weaver. That she was like some good witch that was corrupted. So she was like Glenda. Yeah. Okay, but uh, let's see what else. You know, it's going through She-Ra and uh, He-Man. That leads us to the finale of both shows. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, before we talk about that, let's talk a little more about She-Ra. Because I mentioned, <laughs> I mentioned Lukey, the, the character who hides in every single episode. He actually had a couple episodes of his own. And the first one was there was some spell put over Etheria where time stopped. And because he was a magical creature, it didn't affect him. So he ended up having to go to eternity, Eternia to find He-Man. And he brought He-Man back to, uh, it was basically, it was just basically for the excuse for them to have a crossover episode. And that's why I think he actually knows the secret too, because he brings He-Man over and He-Man uses his power to first unlock uh, Adora from the spell, and then Adora turns into Shira, and then the second one. The second one is is funnier because he he was the character at the end of the show that always had the moral message, and that that was something in He Man too. Where today's episode was about yeah, and the funny thing is he's always the character like like giving you the moral message, and then he has his own episode where I think he was stealing, and. <laughs> It was like for some reason the character who knows all these moral messages has a problem stealing in one episode. He's a klepto. Yeah, he becomes a klepto for some reason, even though he's telling you all these like all important things about relationships and how to treat your friends right and shit like that. He's like Lindsay Lohan. After doing one too many Disney movies, he had to just you know. I did see. I think they hired a guy to just kind of go through and put together the moral lessons for them. Yeah. Well. Well, what I love about He-Man is at the end of the episode, He-Man is talking, and He-Man actually says, "Today's episode's about friendship. This today's episode's about working together." And it's like, no, it wasn't. Yes, when they couldn't find a uh, when they couldn't find a theme, they just made one up. Uh, one of my favorites is uh, Tila and him running. They're just talking about exercise. Oh, actually, one of my favorite things is that animator and friend of animators and aficionados Harry Partridge made a great He-Man show. You know, parody that is pretty damn close to the quality of He-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about Bostar. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> I mean, that animation is scare is frighteningly close to Lou Scheimer animation, isn't it, Neil? It's pretty close. 
When I hold aloft my magic fists. You have seen Vostar, haven't you, Andy? Uh, I haven't, no. Vostar and the Champions of Galastrom? <laughs> my knowledge knows so, so only so many bounds. Okay, after this show, we will have to show you a Vostar. Okay, all right. But uh, but can we talk about the Christmas special now, Neil? Yeah. The only Christmas special that can actually compete, not top, but compete with the holidays, with the Star Wars holiday special in absurdity. I can't bring myself to watch it. I've heard so many horror it, things. Uh, it doesn't have a Grandpa Wookiee masturbating to uh, porn, but it does have... Uh, <laughs> It does have uh, He-Man and She-Ra unite to uh, to bring upon the Christmas spirit, and then uh, Skeletor actually face tr- turns to good because of the Christmas spirit. Yeah. And I don't know how how else to explain this episode other than that. That's basically what it is. I know it's one of Skeletor's uh, lowest moments. <laughs> He-Man, I brought you some mistletoe. He-Man. It is uh, painful. Was it a was that was it aired or was it a movie sold? Oh, it, it was like a one hour special. Okay, prime time. And I, is Cartoon Network when they used to do like their big Christmas block? Didn't they kind of throw that in uh, way back when? I don't remember them ever airing it. Okay. I think they never wanted to air it. I mean, unless it was April first, then they would air it for twenty four hours straight. They might air it on Cubo. Which is like Cartoon Network creating other networks to air cartoons just so they can show hole in the wall. <laughs> it's not a it's not a it's not a Turner network. It's uh oh okay. I don't know who owns it. It's some it's some weird network that airs filmation cartoons because someone else will show them. Okay, I guess I can't make fun of Cartoon Network all the time. Then they do that themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, let's see any. Uh, I really want to save the O3 show for its own show entirely. I don't want to do just to because I have so so much stuff to praise about. You know what I mean? Cool. Yeah. Well, we can just do like a recap of it, just really quick. Okay. But, um, we're not... skipping the '89 show pretty oh. much almost entirely. Oh no. <laughs> okay, Neil. Neil. Okay, the the, uh, the the people have spoken. What's the '89 show, Neil? It's He-Man goes to the future. <laughs> and it's Deke. Yeah, and he. Yeah, it's He-Man in like a Voltron-esque cartoon, and it's very strange. Voiced by Gary Chalk, and he talks about the way of the good and the will of the magic, and uh, and uh, Skeletor makes me it, his voice makes me miss the I got you now, He-Man. I don't know. It kind of grew on me after a while. He has kind of this Groucho Marx type dry sense of humor. Ah, uh, yeah, I remember uh, kind of liking it. But it's I watched a little bit of it before the show and it was not what I remembered. So you kind of like uh, Deep Blue something where you know you remember that film and you both recall you both kind of liked it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it yeah, it's it's not that good. It, I mean, the first time He Man ever got anywhere near awesome was the 2003 series where they had some rules. You know, number one, Prince Adam's a teenager mm-hmm. and he transformed Ala Captain Marvel into big. You know, hulking He-Man. Uh, the uh, King of Eternia is a warrior barbarian king. Yeah, Ben, um, so the things we were talking about was that, you know, they really went back to the original source material for the O3. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, 
in what I love is the intro actually is doing the filmation intro. <laughs> yes. And then all of a sudden the Skeletor's forces interrupt it. <laughs> and He-Man does more than just brandish the damn sword. He actually gets to cut stuff. Not people, but he gets to cut stuff. And, uh, and uh, Mike Young is the kind of man, the mantle kind of for this series. Yeah. And uh, really, this show is fantastic. I mean, they made Skeletor really threatening. In the first episode, his face is fucking melted off. Yeah. And they, I mean, uh, what was his uh, name before? Kel- Keldor. Keldor. There's, I have a great Keldor figure, too. I'll show to, show to Neil. Yeah. 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 Well, Andy shows uh, Neil his uh, his uh, six-inch posable figure. As, uh... <laughs> um, one of the things you know that always confused me in the in the early series was you know the secrets of Castle Grayskull. They never they never explained it. Like what's in there? And there was an idea for it, and then they actually finally used it in the O3 series. I love it where where there's like these magic crystal caves and stuff underneath the castle and. And the sorceress actually has this awesome design. I mean, she, she actually looks like she could actually be in a fight. You know, she has that scar over her eye, and she has the Egyptian headdress. And yep, and she gets she into awesome. action every once in a while. Yeah. And, uh, and Man-at-Arms is that awesome as well. And it's uh, voiced by Gary Chalk. And I vaguely recall they actually got some of the characters from the original toy line into this into this cartoon that we never saw in the in the filmation series. With Stinkor was in this cartoon. Yeah, and they, yes. they had a kind of cool little uh, uh, background for him. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I remember this. This was actually in the car- cartoon. Look at this picture, Neil. Mm. Look at where, that. Where, where his face is half melting up. They showed this in the cartoon, Neil. That was a con wow. ex- con exclusive. That's pretty freaky for a, for a cartoon. And I remember they're, you know, they made Skeletor badass. I mean, they had, they had the, one of his underlings grab like a magic uh, artifact and use it to like blast a magical blast while Skeletor's back was turned. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, there's no way he can survive that blast. The blast lets up and then Skeletor is just standing at the cliff, turns around, walks towards his henchman, takes the thing out of his hand and just walks away. He doesn't even treat it like it was an attempt at his life. <laughs> and they made uh, Triclops like this, like tech you know, dude. Yeah. Um, and our He-Man Prince Adam was voiced by the Ticks Deflator Mouse. Yes, he was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this this show was great. I mean, uh, the season two I felt was a little bit weaker because it was He-Man, you know, the Master of the Universe versus the Snake Men. Yeah, oh, they yeah. pump and they pumped they pumped that so hard, and the distribution of the figures was really poor, and that's what ultimately led to the undoing. You know, they didn't get of the whole franchise. They didn't yeah. get renewed. I mean, you see, what's that one? It's just called Powers of Grayskull, where you do the King Grayskull stuff, and you get that flashback to the Horde and everything, and it's like, oh my God, like they're gonna do this for real, and you know, and uh, you, you have hints that they might be doing a new version of She-Ra, and then all of a sudden nothing. Yeah. And uh, actually, one of my favorites is I think I think the evil Lin design in this series was great. Yes, I can. They they kind of did a version of that. I'll send you a link. I mean, I mean, Neil, yeah. Baroness level. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I, I imagine Andy's pulling up a link right now. I am. <laughs> she came with alternate heads. One had the crown. The other had the uh, white little bob cut that she had. Mm-hmm. They're great to pair her and the Keldor figure together as they 
did the kind of background on what exactly these two's uh, relationship was. Oh, then the Despondos, her her father. Very interesting background with him. Yeah. The faceless one. That's what, yes. There we go. But yeah, it's a, you know, number one, these designs were meant for animation. Number two, these designs worked with animation. It's a, here it is from the cartoon, Neil. Yeah, they cheated a little bit. They repainted their uh, their Tila. As a little bit. As Mattel has made a career out of. <laughs> yes, it's... But yeah, we definitely have to save the rest of 2003 for its own special. But uh, for now, I think uh, we have a good He-Man episode. What do you think, guys? I think so. I'm just looking through my notes. Okay. Uh, only thing I had was... Um, the character of Zodak, how he was just a complete lift of Metron from the uh, from the New Gods. Yeah, a cosmic just a guy sitting in a chair, moves around in a chair. In a chair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he could he could be he could be FDR, <laughs> space FDR. <laughs> there's a, there's a show. It, anyways, uh, yeah, bringing uh, bringing uh, socialist uh, uh, to everyone. Yes. Uh, anyways, I'm your host Ben with TV Mr. Neil. I'm Andy. And we're saying goodnight. Bye. Take care. All right. Now i got to show you Space Stallions. 2012 marks the 30th anniversary for Masters of the Universe. We here at the GCRN are celebrating with a brand new series of podcasts. The Powers of Grayskull series will cover every episode of every MOTU cartoon. Yes, even that crappy new adventure stuff. Join Optimus Solo and TF2 and Mike as they tell tales of Eternia, discover the myths of Etheria, become masters in space, and finally masters of Grayskull. You can find the Pods podcasts in iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Good journey!
truth of love will always guide us. The strength of love will be inside us. Forevermore we'll be together. Our hearts will soar one to the other. For the honor of love, by the power of love, we have the power. Here are some outtakes from the show. Let's see here. Yeah. Let me just uh, watch the uh, new adventures of He-Man. I just need, you guys... I just need to hear the bad opening again because it's just because the line that they have Gary Talk read is bad. My name is Adam of Grayskull. When good is threatened by the power of Eternia... Wowza. I, He-Man, was summoned to the future by the last of mankind to defend them in their hour of need. If that was the last of mankind, the gene pool was already fucked. <laughs> but my old enemy, Skeletor... It takes more than two people to rebuild now, a gene pool. Here in the future, he has found new allies to help him in his never-ending fight against all of his group. On Primus? Primus? That's the name of the planet. The power of the good and the way of the magic. Yeah, he says on the planet Primus he has found a, a new family. Now, do we do we dig Gary Chalk as uh, Man at Arms? He's good Man at Arms. Yeah, I thought so. Okay, here's... I think this is the clip I'm looking for. Oh, yeah, this is it. One last clip. Okay. Actually, I had one more. Okay. I don't like that Skeletor. That's like the second model they had. They changed his character design halfway through the show, I think. For another toy. <laughs> no, that's not Tila. Tila has red hair. Yeah. I mean, the He-Man's off, but my God. There is, there is a blonde, even, there is a blonde Tila in the mini-comics. Yeah, but you're starting to count mini comics now. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. This is supposed to be a continuation of the filmation timeline. Yeah, you've created a time paradox. <laughs> and one more. Oh. I assume you guys have seen a couple of the uh, mini comics Bruce Tim uh, drew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> early, early on. <laughs> I just watch this because it shows the different expressions they gave Skeletor in Filmation. That plus the choreography is awesome.
Oh god. Just keep watching, Neil. I love the limp wrist uh, model. <laughs> I imagine Neil shaking his head right now. This is... What about the that expression right there? What expression? Where the one, the sad expression? And there he is dancing with uh, Hordak. That was that was something. <laughs> Come on, you had to like the 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 sad expression on Skeletor with. I suppose. I call it the the mouth was just flapping open and closed. And that was all the animation there was. It's oh. kind of like watching a filmation cartoon. Let <laughs> me uh, yeah. gonna send. Yeah, I just sent that. This is uh, it's bad. It's kind of like a bootleg uh, recording of it. But this is they run this at uh, the Mattel booth uh, at the Comic Cons last year, and it's a very very early uh, ad for the Masters of the Universe toys, and the animation is. Quite interesting. Is 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 it? holy shit. <laughs> wow. This is not filmation. Nope. You know what? This is Nirvana, Neil. I think you're right. I can tell by the way that they shade the muscle lines on He Man. This is Nirvana. Look at that. Oh, that reaction in his face. <laughs> That's crazy. That's like the very early Skeletor, that, that face. That's like the uh, stuff from the mini-comics. That's that's definitely 100%. That is Nelvana. Wow. If I if, I, if someone was going to pick it, I figured you two. Would the uh, yeah, the, the guy who made the comment says though it might have been done by filmation as well. This guy is not an animation guy. <laughs> not because you can't confuse that. But Neil, you've probably seen some early Transformers ones where it's you know definitely a different yeah style like the Jetfire uh, Skyfire ad. That is that is weird because it it actually has the uh, the Macross yep model yep. in there the the Gerwalk mode. No, mm -hmm. not no. I'm not talking about the Gerwalk mode. I'm talking about the actual toy design. Oh, like like the the robot right out of Robotech in Transformers animation, shooting at Decepticons. The rope, the the um, cross design, the robot right out of Robotech. It's well, I love how confusing it can get. Yeah, I know. It's even even I have a hard time explaining the difference between Robotech and Macross. Well, it's the same show, only different. Well, it's sort of like explaining Aragon with the star about in Star Wars. Well, it's the same movie but different. <laughs> 